Listening Dog Media. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He's one of England's most capped international players. Seaman is the man here. He's one of the world's most decorated goalkeepers. And it was somehow kept out by Seaman. That is a fantastic save. This is Seaman Says with David Seaman. And Seaman, what a magnificent save. Hear him. Breathtaking. Like never before. Hello and welcome back to Seaman Says ahead of the final international break before this year's World Cup. Joining us today is a man that knows all about representing England at the World Cup, both as a player and manager. Please welcome Glenn Hoddle. Welcome, Gaffer. I know right he calls you Gaffer. <laughs> and it is hard to not say it, but uh, yeah, thanks for coming on, mate. It's uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Great. It's yeah. uh, great to see you. Didn't know. <laughs> I thought it was just going to be me and you, uh, David. Like It's nice and intimate. <laughs> <laughs> then just <lot>. watch <laughs> sorry to disappoint <laughs> Glenn first, first thing I wanted to ask you about was um, obviously England have got a couple of games coming up um, against Italy and then Germany how how do you see them going and I, David I, I think they're really big games for Gareth they're, they're massive games in the sense that They've really put themselves in behind the eight ball in this Nations League. And more importantly, you know, I think they need to get back to some winning ways. I think they had a little bit of an experiment. I know Stones got sent off against Hungary and they've had some poor results. But it's now time to, you know, get get back on the horse, play uh, a team that looks like he's going to, you know, maybe start the World Cup, really get himself, uh, his head and his, his mind Set on who, where he's going to start in the World Cup because it's it's an unusual World Cup, isn't it? It's kind of it's going to yeah. come around almost the season ends bang and you're right into a World Cup, which is a bit strange. But I think I think the group of players and 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 Gareth himself and the nation, we need to get you know back to winning ways, and they're two tough games. So if they come through them really well, I think that's that's going to give them a lot of confidence because they're two very very uh, decent sides. They're good sides. They are, and like, and like you say, you know, because like normally they'd be would be having friendlies or something now, and with it, with it being the Nations League, there's something at there's something at stake, and it makes it. I think it makes it so much more competitive. You know, that's what I've liked about it. You know, just seeing yeah. seeing how our teams approach it. You know, because they 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 do put their best teams out, don't they? Yeah, I think I think they do, and I think England will. I, I think. Gareth maybe looked at the Hungary game and, and, and tried to experiment a little bit with some of the players. Um, obviously, the two results against Hungary hasn't come off. Um, so I think it is now time to, uh, you don't get that 
chance of playing those friendlies before the the World Cup anymore. Not in this not in this World Cup. So I think it really is. It's a double edged sword. This one. Uh, they're two really good international games. Number one. I think they'll put it'll put their strongest team out. And I think you'll learn a lot more, whatever the result is. You know, yeah. if we have two wins, it would be fantastic. It'd be great confidence to go to the uh, to the tournament. But um, and also, if they didn't, if it didn't go so well, then it's obviously taking it's taking all the belief and all the pr- you know pressure off them a little bit. So either way, in some ways, you can win out. It, whatever way this result goes, the best way is to beat them and have good results, good performances, and that's ideal. But even if, you know, it would take all the expectations away from the country a little bit, which I think England are better at when we're we're the sort of slight underdogs than everyone fancying us to win. If we go and blow Italy away and blow Germany away, everyone would be saying, oh, we're ready to win the World Cup. And we've been down that road many, many times. So I, I don't think Gareth can lose too much. Obviously, he wants to win. The players will want to win. The country will want to win. But if it didn't work out, I wouldn't worry. I wouldn't panic too much. It just allows us to go under the radar a little bit. Yeah. How, how did you How did you feel in in '98, Len? When you know, when obviously when you took over from Terry, um, yeah. You know what? What did you did you really feel a lot of pressure then, or, or were you okay with that? No, I, I I was okay with the pressure, but I felt you know watching '96. If you you know you were playing and uh, it was at home, it was at Wembley, and every game. I mean, I think football changed then. I think football really went to another level in in many different ways. You know, um, off the pitch and and on the pitch, but you know we came so close. Um, but I think the expectations of the country, I could feel. You know, we came so close uh, in '96, um, and picking up a really great squad. I felt confident in that squad, in the players that I'd seen, in the players that I knew I was going to bring in as well, David. You know, yeah. your Beckhams and your Skulls were were going to be brought in, um, and I had this lovely balance. But it was it was pressurised, okay? It was pressurised because you know I think there was that real expectation. Um, that England were going to do something. And uh, that was number one. And then obviously when the games come round and you get qualifying, the pressure comes on, you know, in a big way. And then once we qualified, the pressure goes to another level. So it was, uh, you know, you have to cope and deal, if you're an England manager, with that pressure. Sometimes you have to, you have to, I found I had to put myself in a bubble a lot of times just Because if you're listening to too many thoughts and too many people, you, you're you're uh, you're going to de- get distracted. It's it's really your people, the players, and 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 your staff were the people that uh, that that you listen to. Yeah, but I I, I thought you, you did it really well as well. Like we had that place in was it Le Bal? Le Bal, yeah, that Le was Bal, lovely. Yeah. And we had, a, we, had, we had that massive like underground car park thing that we turned into an amusement arcade. <laughs> we did, yeah, we, we turned that into an amusement arcade. Any time I went down there just to see if any of the lads were using it, I don't think I found anyone down there. I think, <laughs> I think Robbie Fowler was the only one I saw down there, actually. Um, but no, it was. Uh, we tried our best to do everything we could do. I think we needed to be a little bit isolated, which was on a golf yeah. course. It was away, but Le, the actual Le Bull was 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 a lovely place, beautiful place. I actually went back there um, for a holiday later on in life, so it was, <laughs> it was a really nice place uh, on the beach down there, if you remember. But listen, it's very difficult, isn't it? That's the one thing as England manager, things like that. You're damned if you do something like Sven did, 
going into a town and staying in the monk's still. And you're damned if you take, you know, you go outside and you, the security's there and, you, and you're alone. So it, it, that really is a tough one. You know, I think some countries get that probably sometimes better than us because their players approach it differently. English, English players and I think um, you know, certain European players, they think differently and you have to, you have to go by that. It was always hard. Always hard yeah. to get the right balance on that one. But as as, as players, you know, and I've, I've played in two World Cups, and it's you know, you, you, it, I I prefer it when you're away from people like that yeah. because you can really like get your mindset, you can get yeah. the right frame of mind, and you yeah. can get make sure that, that everything's right. Uh, David, that's exactly how I made the decision in the end because I played in two World Cups and European Championships, and that's what we always done, and I, and I like that. I prefer yeah. to be. I would have hated to have been in the middle of a of a city or a town, in the you know, and 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 having all that hustle and bustle and having you know too much fun. We had we had breaks where we saw the families, and we planned that to come in and that. But to, to be around all that, you know, it's 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 horses for courses. Some some characters and some people and some cultures might like that, but uh, yeah. it, it wasn't for me as a player. And I thought, no, do you know, do it. That's what I think the English players needed and wanted. Yeah. As long as it wasn't so, it, as long as it wasn't sort of cold, it's or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, there was, there was plenty to do. I remember the lads because the because we were on the golf course and at the back of some of the apartments there was like one of the holes and it was the green was literally about 80 yards away and the mm. lads were like just practicing their chipping shots and they hit like these wedges onto the green right and then they just walked back in so like the greenkeeper was come around in the morning and found about a hundred balls on the in and around the green every oh, no. almost every day <laughs> well see i didn't know that and if i'd have known that i'd have joined you because i needed to practice with my chipping <laughs> I was probably off the, it was when it was when when's the gaffer doing his press conference i know and then you know yeah, exactly yeah. <laughs> but yeah. do you know what though glenn i remember i remember 98 obviously because it was it was my first world cup and it was brilliant but i don't know whether you remember this but i, I nearly missed that through a shoulder injury yes you did yeah i remember yeah. now yeah you, and you, you, you triggered me yeah yeah, yeah and, and i remember oh, because yeah. the, the surgeons had told me that i needed an operation and I knew that if I had the operation, I wouldn't make the, the World Cup. Yeah. And I remember you said to me, you went, why don't you go see Eileen? Mm. And I was like, yeah, okay. You know, and I yeah. tell this story all the time. And I said, look, I went to see her and, and she just put her hands on, on my shoulder and on my head. Yeah. And yeah. that was literally it. You know, for a few minutes and that, and I saw her twice, mm. I think it was. And every time that I saw her, I went back to the hotel, to the England mm. room, and, I, and I, I just fell asleep. I was like yeah. so tired, but yeah. I didn't need the operation yeah. and I made the World Cup, you know, so well, I've got a lot of credit for her. Absolutely. And, and I'd seen this for so many years since I was 17, David, you know, yeah. so, you know, why wouldn't you, why would you just, you know, it was a difficult one for me because I knew I'd get absolutely hammered on it really in some ways. I never made, you know, con contrary to what some people said out there, press and all that, um, I never made anyone. No, go. no. I gave like I just gave them the free choice, mm -hmm. and I tried to say that it was you know an extension of the medical staff really, and that's how yeah. I wanted people to look at it. But from seventeen onwards, I, you know, and there's others. Darren Anderton would never have made the World Cup squad if he hadn't yeah. have been seeing 
ironing for some healing. Yeah. And it's not just ironing, there's other healers, there's lots of And I, I've sent so many people to so many different, and I've seen it, and it's there's people live across the road. I'm looking out now where somebody was in trouble recently, and, and we, we sent them to somebody who healed. And yeah. They're unbelievable stories. They're saying they can't believe it. So it's, you know, in the modern day now, perhaps people are open to it a lot more, and hopefully it'll get more and more. But that's yeah. a great example of what, what, what somebody can do for somebody. No, you know? Exactly. And then and then when Arsene came to uh, to Arsenal, he brought in a guy called Philippe Boxel. Can you I don't know whether you know him. Yeah, I do. But I he, do. Yeah, you know, and he was part of the French national setup as well. And he, he yeah. would come and he, he believed in all these channels in your in your body and different types of massage, even to That's the it. point of taking your wisdom teeth out because they were causing problems. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's funny you should say that. I'm going from here today to the dentist. I've got an appointment. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> it's ironic you say that. But honest, honestly, that is amazing. My chiropractor I went to years ago said this, done, done this thing with me where I put something in my wisdom. I had some metal ones in the back teeth. Yeah. And, and he held my leg and I had this. I couldn't hold it. He just simply pulled my legs away when on the bed. And then he said, right, put cotton wool. So he put cotton wool, and I had to bite down on the cotton wool, right? And I held my leg straight. He couldn't force no it way. back. I took the cotton wool out the wisdom tooth, where the metal was, and it, it was like he could do it with one finger. It could move my leg. And he said, this, this is amazing. He said, this is where you affect. And as a sportsman, it mm. can affect you. It can affect your energy yeah. levels and whatever. And I was like, wow. And these things, you know, people – Back in the day, maybe in 98, they weren't ready for it. But I think they're ready for it a little bit more. They used to yeah. poo-poo it a little bit. But now people's oh, minds the, are. Yeah. The Arsenal lads, were, they were, they were you know, right up for it because they they saw results. They saw results. They saw him getting people back quicker from injury. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, yeah. and, and, you know, with them all being, you know, a lot fitter as well, you know. So it was uh, it was that's definitely, one of the most. You know, David, as, as a footballer, well, every sport, but as a footballer, that is one of the most important things, isn't it? Your, yeah. your fitness levels. If yeah. you're fit, you know, most players, outfield players, probably goalkeepers, well, you've always got something that's not quite 100%. You're never 100%, but it's about fitness. If you're not playing and you're injured, it's the worst thing as a sportsman, as a footballer. In a group of players, they're going off to, to play away game and you're in the treatment room. And, and it's so important that you, you give yourself, as a manager, the best possible chance to get you and keep your players fit because they're the assets. They're the ones that go out there and, and, and get the points or get you through to and, and win trophies. So, you know, it's, it's massive. So why not, why not have a mind that's broadened and open? Because uh, I certainly saw it when I was young and I couldn't believe it. It worked. I mean, I had my own family. Who introduced you to like that, that. that side of stuff when you were younger? That the, the, I guess well, the alternative look at that kind of stuff. It was it was literally I, I met her daughter Michelle, and we just met, and I went out with Michelle for six months, and I met her mum, and which was Eileen, and she she did I had a hamstring injury at the time. And she did, she said to me like I do healing, and I, and I thought healing I've never heard of that, you know, and it literally was was by chance, and then. Uh, and she healed my hamstring within, they told me I was out for six weeks and within about four days I was back training and I couldn't believe it. They all, they, I remember Mike Varney, the physio, and all the lads taking the, taking the mickey out of me saying, no, you, 
you put it on, like you know, you, you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a night out or something. And but at the end of the day, I knew my hamstring had gone, and and it was it was quite amazing. So, and it didn't really click for me until I was about twenty eight. I saw on numerous occasions, and and it wasn't until twenty eight where I started to ask her and say, "What's it all about? How does this work?" And then it opened my mind to other yeah. things as well. So it was by pure chance, really. Yeah. If there is such thing as pure chance, yeah, but it, it did. It works, you know. I'm, I'm, yeah. Yeah. I'm living. Obviously, you, you've had, you know, you, your your um, injuries. Like, so when it happened to you, David, you, it's it, it's not part of like a chiropractor and it and anything else. There wasn't any clicking, or it was literally just the the energy and the the, the touch yeah. and the. Did it feel? Yeah. And it sounds silly, but did it feel warm? Like, did you feel like? Yeah, a, it did. That's, a that's, a, that's one thing that I noticed that her hands felt really warm. Well, yeah, yeah, but like on my head and then on my shoulder, and it weren't like she wasn't like she was just like squeezing. It wasn't like um, like like you say a deep massage or anything like that. Yeah, and that was fascinating. Yeah, yeah. There's so much about the body that we we really don't know. Yeah, and I know we could probably go down a rabbit hole with, with that kind of stuff, but it's it's really yeah. fascinating. Well, if, if you think about it, quite simply, quite simply, if one of us cut our hand or our arm, you have a cut. What happens in the next three or four days? You don't even think about it, do you? Mm. But what happens with a little cut? Yeah, the body sorts it, it out, it scabs it, over it, it, it heals it. It starts yeah. to heal, it starts to heal. So there's that mechanism is already in your body. So what these people can do, what certain people have got like, um, they've got this energy or this gift, is they can accelerate that. They can accelerate the healing. And then mm. you have to perhaps have that belief that it's going to work as well or have that open mind or just, if you don't know much about it, sometimes that's better than yeah. putting a block on a lot of people put a block on it, whereas David probably and some of the players went, oh, well, what's this all about? And yeah. like if it works, I, it works. Great, open mind. If it doesn't, well. When I was 17, when she, when she did it, you know, and I had healing then, it was like, well, I don't know what, it just works, so I'll just let it happen. Mm. So you're, you, you free your mind. And then, you know, that healing mechanism in your body, a natural, can be accelerated very quickly. Some people can do it. And, you know, it's got bigger and bigger. So I, I've, seen, I've seen miracles. So, you know, I saw a touch my dad's back. My dad was in an awful state with his back most of his life. He didn't really believe, if if I'm honest, he was like, oh, well, go on then. And 20 mm. minutes, and, and he never had another problem with his back. Took up golf, at, you know, later on in life. And, you know, when things like that happen, you go, wow. Mm. And when yeah. I was manager, you know, when I was club manager, I used it on my, my players. So why wouldn't I do it with England? I knew I was going to get it with him. Yeah. Because you've seen the results, so and you yeah. know, so yeah. I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have been true to myself as as a person or a manager in some ways if I hadn't given the players an opportunity. And was it England the first time you tried it? Did you ever try it at, at club no, level? Or? I tried it with Chelsea players, Swindon players. You know, I've had loads of people go there yeah. personally, but players as well. Lots of players from from Chelsea. Uh, before I was England manager, so that's my that was my big question: Why would I use it at club level, but not with England? Yeah, and um, I didn't feel right with that. I had to be true to myself because I knew it worked. And and if yeah. the players, some players didn't want to want to do it, and the, and that's where I knew I'd get hit a little bit with it because some you know some press sort of then tried to turn it well. 
if you didn't go and see Ireland, you weren't going to get in the team, which was absolutely ludicrous. You know, (laughs) (laughs) it was about. uh, Imagine me and Niley just sitting there picking the team together. Always going to be be at it a little bit. So yeah, yeah, I tried to say that it was an extension of the medical staff, but it, it definitely was. Glenn, yeah. it, it worked. It worked for me. You know, I was told by surgeons that I, I needed the operation, and by having the operation, I wouldn't have made the World Cup. Do you know of any? Um, do you know of any managers that that do that now? Is it? I, I don't know if it's that they make a. a... I, know, I know. Back in the day, you know, way back when probably, Kevin Keegan was sent to, well, I had a chat with Kevin about it years after. And I'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying, but when he was at Southampton with Laurie McMenemy, I think it was, he, he was told to go to see someone and it, it absolutely worked 100%. Mm. So, yeah, I think lots of players have done it and perhaps they didn't want to be open about it. Um, but um, but well, now they're, doing, think, they're doing it more now, aren't they? Absolutely, yeah. It's a, the, yeah, it's know, a different mind, world now, isn't it? So, yeah. People's minds are, are far more open and I think that was... Uh, it was a bit of a risk back in '98, but you know, let's be let's be fair. It's been happening for thousands of years in other mm. countries, in China and India. If you look into it, it goes way, 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 way back. Mm. So uh, we're just catching up. We've just been behind the times. Right, I'm totally off that, off that, and into the Premier League, Len. Um, <laughs> <laughs> who's who's Contra. who's impressed you the most so far? Ah, well, there's only one team that impressed me, really, obviously City. I think um, they're, for me, I'm looking forward to tomorrow. I'm actually going up to Manchester to interview uh, Pep. So we're going to have a a nice interview, a nice chat. Hopefully we'll have a little in-depth chat. But I I love the way they play. I think they're, without going over the top, I don't see an international team better than them either. I think they're the best footballing team in the world. the way they play, the way he plays. But uh, this Premier League is going to be the toughest. This will be a question I'll be asking. This will be a tough, it's tougher than I've ever seen it. I really feel, you know, Newcastle and Villa have already taken points off City. And we've seen Arsenal improve. We've seen Tottenham improving. We've got Newcastle improving. Palace. Look at what Brighton are doing. Yeah, I know Graham's gone now. But David, I think this is such a tough Premier League tougher than I think we've seen it and I, yeah. I, I really feel that Man City will will win it I do believe they'll win it but um, and especially with Ireland in the side my word where do you think well, Liverpool will end up because they've really struggled and, and they well, they've, yeah they've, they've got to get back on the horse they've got to get the reins back again and it was a good win for them in the week but there's something missing there I see them still there's something missing in that midfield area and uh, and they had it off to a tee where they would s- s- hold a high line and they were doing it well and it helped them defensively mm. where now it's a it's a hindrance to them i think they're being caught out because there's too many people getting their heads up and having time on the ball and they're being you're getting in behind liverpool's defence wherever yeah. the back four is and what, what would your take be on, on on trent then because everyone's saying sort of you know he he's fantastic at going forward and putting those those balls in the box but you know, his defensive skills are lacking or he's not as attentive on coming back and doing that job as much as he is going forward. I, I cast my mind back. I saw him very young when he played against Manchester City in the league. Hell of a game at Anfield. I think he was only 18. 
going forward, as you say, we see how good he is. I saw him, I thought, well, today's going to, I was working on the game, and I thought, well, today he's going to be tested here defensively. He had Sane, he was up against Sane, and Sane was at his best there at mm. City. He hadn't fallen out with, with the people at City and whatever, and he was, he was at it. And I'll tell you what, he had him in his pocket all day. He, he must have took the ball off him three or four times, broke and did his bit going forward. And I thought, this kid can defend as well as attack. I think what's happened is, is it men- mentally, I, I mean, I'm, I'm only talking from outside looking looking in. I'm mm. not working with the boy. I don't, but for me, he's now got 80% of his head is attacking, offensive. Yeah. And if his manager wants that and he's allowing him that, that's fine. But I, I saw him defend properly. I, I saw him when he had his mind switched in, he had to defend when he was a kid, when he come in to prove that he could defend, he did it. So he's now got to get back to that again. It, that doesn't disappear. But I think his emphasis, his mental approach has to change and say, I've got to get this balance right. I guess and, you, uh, you just see it as, as the glory is in scoring a goal or it's being down that part of the pitch for, for a yeah. young lad. He wants to be I a part of that. Really, He's enjoying, and rightly yeah. so, he's absolutely sensational. Yeah. He's more than just a fullback. He's a winger, and suddenly he pops up in the centre of, of the pitch as well. He's doing a bit what they do at City. I think he's, you know, he's joining inside a little bit, and he pops up as a almost like a midfield player. So it's just a mental approach that he needs. Someone needs to just sit him down and say, "Look, I need you today. Just prove to yourself. Defend. Put defensive first in your mind." And then I think he'll prove back to himself because he proved to himself earlier on in his career that he could defend. So I think it's about reassessing. And this was, this happens with youngsters all the time. You, 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 whether it's through an injury that they have, they come out of the team. Look at Hudson-Odoi. Since his Achilles, everyone was raving about him when he was younger, coming to the team. He had to, and I remember saying, thinking to myself, well, yeah, yeah, there's so many hurdles you have to overcome. A little bit of bad form or an injury. Well, Hudson Adoy was injury. You know, sometimes young players, it goes to their head a little bit so, and they have to be brought back down. There's all, there's a multitude of things that happen to these young players. And then, you know, you find out about themselves and they come through it and they're a better player for it. So I think, you know, I think he's a wonderful, wonderful player going forward. He just needs to reassess his defending. But I think it's not just him. I think the whole team at Liverpool look a little bit easier to play against. I don't know if David agrees with what you, you've seen this yeah, season. Yeah, it's you know when when you do watch them, you, they are shipping goals. You know mm. they're not um, they're not keeping the clean sheets that they're used to. Um, but like you say with 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 Trent, you know his his, his delivery on crosses oh. is unbelievable. It's so hard for a goalkeeper the one the, the cross that he knocks in where it's just bending away from you, and he yeah. always seems to manage to get it in between the goalkeeper and the back four. You know, and yeah. you know, so like as much as you know, his defending's not up to the normal standard. His attacking play is still brilliant. You know, yeah. but you know, like I totally agree with you. You know, he needs to as as a fullback, you've got to be like defensive first, keep that yeah. right, and then add to it with with all I the other stuff that he's got. It's a little bit un- unfortunate that Liverpool and Klopp they don't. They don't play in a back three ever. They don't change it. Mm. He would suit that. If they had the three defenders and he then there's a wing back, he could he could do he'd have more license to do that and go forward and not worry too much about it because he'd have somebody securing him behind. But Klopp doesn't like that. He likes a back four and he gets them intact and the two fullbacks go high. They play like wing backs, really. 
the two fullbacks for Liverpool are in wing, wing back and even wingers' positions at the end of the day. Um, it's just about his recovery runs. It's about reading the game when the ball's on the opposite side of the pitch, getting getting back in a, a secured position early rather than getting there playing catch up, trying to get there, which I see him do. There's things that can be put right so easily and quickly if the guy wants to do it. You know, yeah. I see them things, but he's not doing it at the moment. But going forward, he is sensational. And this is the one thing now as an England manager, like Gareth would be saying, can I trust him? And if Gareth wants to play in a four, I don't see him getting in the team. Right. If he he goes with a three, he's got a hell of a chance of playing. Yeah. Um, Because I think that Reese James is more dependable defensively and attacking. You've got more of a balance with that player. He's a very good player. Um, so, you know, it's a real, that's the bit of the conundrum that, that uh, Gareth Scott with, with uh, Trent. How um, how impressed have you been with Haaland? Because I I can't oh. believe, like, I, I'm watching him, Glenn, and I'm and I'm not just watching, like, his goals. I'm watching his yeah. runs, yeah. The, ti- the timing of his runs. Yeah. His, his all-round game has just been, it's been brilliant, it, hasn't it? it? It ticks every box. I've actually gone back from a game thinking, right, I'm going to, I'm going to try and, see where his weaknesses are. He hasn't got any. No. As a striker, he hasn't he's twenty two years of age. <laughs> I can't see that I can't see a, a weakness. He can you can ping it into him. All right, he might not drop off like Harry Kane drops off and hits wonder passes, but playing for Man City, he doesn't need to do that. They've got enough of them players. It is just the perfect number nine for Manchester City. That goal um, against Dortmund was it was outrageous. I mean, the athleticism and, and the agility to, you know, if you've got that physique and that pace and that, you think, well, he might be a bit clumbersome. He's not. His movement, his mobility, the goals, uh, he can hit the ball, he can spin people. I think he might just give City that extra dimension that they need in Europe to go and win the Champions League. I think there's times now when maybe they, they might say, let, let let our opponents, let's, and some teams will do it naturally to them anyway, let them have the ball a little bit where they, with the false nines and that, they, they couldn't hit people on the break, on the counter quickly. Where and now with Ireland, I think they can they can actually suck some people in to then hit them yeah. on, the, on the break with the pace. So he, he's given them another dimension. Uh, they can cross the ball now. Yeah, exactly. You know, I've, I've noticed that. I've noticed yeah. that they're, they're they're putting more crosses in and they're putting yeah. more through balls in behind the defenders, aren't they? You know, because he, yeah. he runs onto them. You know, so he these runs onto. that he makes are brilliant. Mm. You know, and I liken him to uh, to Gary Lineker because Gary was brilliant at beating the offside trap with his runs across defenders yeah. and then going in. Yeah. You know, and I see I see that with Arlen, but the, the the surprising thing is is how quick Man City have changed their game to to get him involved more. Well, I tell you one thing, as a mid ex midfield player, I think, and I said, you know, the frightening thing is De Bruyne, De Bruyne and Ireland. We just they're just gonna, and they've hit it off straight away. But mm. the bad thing for the rest of the Premier League is they're going to get better and better. Those two, <laughs> you know, you've got, you've got others like Foden and, and and Bernardo Silva who will be closer to him, sliding him in, and Cancelo, who's a wonderful passer. Of the ball, the ball he put in for Ireland's goal last oh, yeah. the other night, Wednesday, was incredible, wasn't it? Yeah. But I think De Bruyne actually is the and, and it's a lovely feeling for a striker to 
to know that ball's going to arrive nine times out of ten. You know, there's male of strikers that would make runs and runs, and in the end they get fed up because they look midfield players look square or they go backwards, and they you see them they stop running. Whereas on Ireland knows the ball's going to come, particularly with De Bruyne, and I think more and more you'll see oh, who's assisted the goal, De Bruyne, De Bruyne. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, they're coming at you from every angle, Man City. They really are. They're, they're a nightmare probably to to play against. Um, <laughs> And this is the challenge for the rest of the Premier League, actually. You know, Liverpool had a go at them. I think Liverpool now at the moment have got to readdress. But it's a challenge for the managers, for the other teams, to come up with something that will cause them a problem. Don't ask me what that is at the moment. <laughs> it's, it's, that's, that's, what it, that's what Pep's doing. He, he's challenging other coaches to say, OK, then. How are you going to stop us? You know, in, in the football, there's always an Achilles heel somewhere along the line. And it's up to you to, to find that Achilles heel in any given team. But, you know, wow, at the moment, I just see them. And, and the thing is with City, it's a bit like United when, at Old Trafford. You remember, you know, Fergie time and all that. The only chance you really get a real good opportunity, if you score late enough, you take the lead late on in games, which you can't plan, as David, we can tell you, you can't plan that. But if it happens and you've only got five minutes to hang on, you got a chance. Basically, don't poke like, the bear too early. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. don't poke and 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 that's that's the sign of a great side that they only need ten minutes to turn a game round, and they mm. do it time mm. and time again. You know, yeah. they just keep coming at you. And that United team did that, didn't they? Yeah, they, yeah. They did so many red shirts in the box, and in the end, it was like a boxer. You'd be up against the ropes and you get the punch but um, <laughs> Glenn you, you mentioned earlier about um, you being a, an ex-midfield player and I sampled that in my first ever England call-up I don't know whether I told you this like the other day at the golf course yeah you did when you beat me <laughs> yeah, <I don't> <laughs> so, so we're doing an 8v8 and it's my first England call-up and I'm in goal and Glenn's got the ball just out to the left and, I'm, and he's turned and I'm thinking I've got this you know I've got him covered here and he chipped it over my head right <laughs> into the top right corner. So I'm, I'm blaming Glenn for that, exposing my weakness of the top right corner. But I was yeah. like, I'd never forget that because I thought I've got this. And then I was like, oh my God, is that the sort of standard that is in this England team? You know, I was obviously third or even fourth choice at times as well but that, I think that's what that's an example of when we all go in there you know I remember going in there as a as a youngster and the similar thing that it was just one clog quicker yeah than, than the training at Tottenham at the time it was it was just that the quickness and the, the pace of the keep ball sessions and everything I realized that you know a little bit like David as a goalkeeper you went oh that's this I'm thinking that's, that's the stand you got to up your standard here because and and that's where you either live or die in the end of the mm. day that's that, that that you're judged on how you step up and and deal with all that in training and then go and obviously try and put it into your game but uh, it was the same for outfield players as it's nice to hear that story unfortunately <laughs> sorry David, if I chipped you but... <laughs> it was a <laughs> brilliant one though <laughs> put it that way international level was uh, and it was a different it was a different level I mean I remember going in the opponents were different as well you know 
if you're a little bit out of possession, a position defensively, the, the the quality of the player against you would just the ball would be played on the on the correct side of the opponent, and they were away. Things like that, the very subtlety of international football uh, for an outfield player. Again, it wasn't only what you had to do with the ball in your team, but it was it was your opponents. You know, they flooded the midfield a lot of times. They, they, we were outnumbered in Eng, in England back in the day when we played four four two. We got outnumbered yeah. so many times in midfield. I remember thinking, and we were chasing shadows, and and that was one of the reasons when I became England manager that I I went with the three at the back. And I wanted to flood our midfield. We had the wing backs, and we had the midfield filled up to win the ball back, and to mm. have options when we we won the ball. Because I'd experienced that as a player. We we played in straight lines, and it was tough. It was really tough to get through the pitch. And would that be some of the reasons? Sorry, would that be some of the reasons? Maybe in the nineties, because I know you famously didn't take uh, Gaza or Letizia to um, on international duty. Is it the way that those sort of they were because they were very sort of I guess you would call them mavericks in the way that they approached no. the ball? I'm glad you've asked that because it gives me a chance. I, I, Gaza was purely down to um, injury. Okay, purely had a knee and a calf problem anyway, which I did. and Gaza played in in all the qualification when he was fit, played in mm. all all our qualifications. So I wanted Gaza to go to the World Cup 100. percent Okay, but I oh, I wouldn't have I, you know I would have been stupid wouldn't I to have him playing in the quality in the qualifying games and then not take him mm. but it was down to his and I remember chatting to him about four months I think we played Cameroon at Wembley in a friendly we'd already we'd, we'd, we'd got our point in Rome and we were already qualified and I sat him down and I said Gaz you got, he was at Middlesbrough and I said you've got to you've got to stay fit you've got this four month period now for the World Cup you know the World Cup 90 made you I said you're still going to mm. And I wasn't sure whether he was taking it in. David would know better, better than me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, are you really listening here, Gaza? Because he had a knee problem. I said, you can get yourself as fit as you can. And that was four months before. Anyway, he comes to the last game. And if you remember, David, we played uh, down in uh, Morocco. We had a little tournament, didn't we? We stayed in yeah. La Manga. And I think I gave him until the last game, Morocco. And I said to him, Gaza, just get through this game. Just proved to me and to everyone that, you know, he had these problems, issues off the yeah, pitch yeah, as well, yeah. which we all knew about. But I thought, no, if he's playing and I can I can I can I can get hold of Gaza and I can you can control him if he knows he's in the team that's in the World Cup and got I said, I think we'll over it for a shorter period of time, he'll be he'll be on hands on. As an England manager that you lease the car in a way, they go back to their club. It's like mm. you don't own the car. That's it's nice, not yeah. yours, but Three or four weeks, I would have owned him and had him, and we could have looked after him. Always with the threat of getting, you know, you got to do these things to play, to get fit to play. So I was hoping that was going to happen. Well, he tried to beat two or three people, which I said to him, "Don't do it. You don't need to do it. Just play two touch, three touch football. I need you to get through the game so I can put my hat on you." And. Uh, Gaza being Gaza, he's tried to beat two or three players. And I, ne- I never forget it. The big number six, I can't remember the fella's name, he's come across and he, he's took Gaza out. And and um, and Gary Gary Lewin and, and the guys, he had to come off. And he, he, he's, he had a hematoma as well as his calf and his knee that he already was carrying. So it was purely a decision down to 
injury. I'd have put up with the other antics that he was up to. <laughs> I had to. That's in there as well that I could have helped, you know, Lucy and, and Tony and, and David. Yeah. You know, I'd have just sent David fishing with him every day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Babysitting as usual. Uh, so, um, David went like, he was the one who went like that when I didn't pick him. He went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, this is going to be nice and quiet oh, and peaceful now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was a sad decision. It was my saddest decision not to, not to be able to take him. But of course, again, the press don't want to hear the real reasons. Yeah, it's exactly. like, Gonna make a story, and um, and and Letiz, Letiz was a wonderful footballer, and should have moved from Southampton. I tried to buy him when I was at Chelsea. Actually, mm. um, the, I always I answer this in in a slightly different way. The reason that Tiz probably didn't play as many times for me, or I didn't take him, was a fella called Paul Scholes. Okay, that was the reason why. Because Paul Scholes to me was was could play behind the front. That was his best position, and that's the only position. Paul could play as a second striker. He could play anywhere, deeper in midfield, as he proved later on. Tiz could only play that position. Mm. Where, um, but Paul could play that in a very f- effective way. And we played him just off the front too, David, if you remember. Yeah. Yep. And he was he was perfect. So I did, you know, it was it was such a shame because Tiz, I loved Tiz. I tried to buy him at Chelsea. He's a wonderful player, mm. wonderful player. Should have perhaps challenged himself and moved on a little bit in his career to be honest but yeah, it was Paul totally Scholes was, was 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 probably the best player that I coached uh, and I coached some very good players and Scholes for me was, was different class he really was before you before we let you go Glenn what's what's your thoughts on Tottenham you must be excited this season I um I am if you'd have asked me a few weeks ago, I would have been very excited. <laughs> um, but I, I, you know what, David? I, I've got to hold my judgment back. For Arsenal as well, actually. I, I, you'll laugh. I, I, I tried to get a bet that Arsenal would be top of the league after six games. No way. <laughs> yeah, I, tried. I looked at the fixtures and, and I just thought mm. the fixtures come out and I thought, wow, I, I think they're going to start unbelievable. And they lost, obviously, against United, and now their test has come. But getting back to Tottenham, you know what? They're not playing anywhere near as well as they can hmm. or will do at some stage. But Conte's got something. I think the buyers have been great. I think they've been he's changed around so quickly. And there's players there that haven't really started yet. If Son starts, you know, playing well, hmm. there's another level to go to. But it's okay whilst it's going well. But I... I I'm going to be quite controversial here. I don't see too much difference the way Mourinho set the team up to what Conte set the team up. Right. And Spurs fans weren't having Mourinho the way he did it. Mourinho was top of the league after about three games mm. in that season. I, I, I don't know. I, I just feel there's. I feel that there's there's something there that they're playing with the handbrake on a little bit, and I think there's mo- much more to come. So in a way, it's good news for Tottenham fans if that. Evolves if that if that absolutely happens, um, they look very tight. They look very difficult to play against. Um, but I just feel there's a there's a two or more two or three more gears they can go into, and I don't know whether they feel like that down at the uh, training ground. I hope they do. Mm. Um, from where I am, looking out, looking in, and I'm knowing a little bit on the inside. But 
I, I think there's more to come, and, and that will be good. That will be excellent. He's a winner, and I think uh, he's he's got that across to his players, no doubt about it. Where do you think they and could I end up at the end of the season? Well, I think they'll get top four. I think, oh, you do? And, you think you, they'll reach that? Yeah, I think that's going to be an absolute be a band fight for a lot of teams to get do in there. Do you think they'll pip Arsenal to it? obviously I'm going to say I think they will no but I I genuinely think they will because I think Arsenal are two years away from being a very very good team yeah okay a very very good team so I think at the moment they're in a process I think Conte um, has won things before Arteta is seeking that as a manager and I think the group of players at Arsenal have got some excellent players who in two years' time will be challenging possibly for the league, let alone the top four. I think Conte has bought so well this season, the Spurs have got a little bit more about them. They've become difficult to play against, Tottenham. You don't want to play against them, especially if they go another couple of levels with the ball. Uh, if Son starts playing well, there's others there that can they can improve on. I think I can see an improvement from Tottenham, but remaining very difficult to play against. So that's why I put them just a little bit a shade ahead of Arsenal at the moment. In two years' time, maybe not. I don't know. It depends what happens at Tottenham. Yeah. Yeah. I always said, Glenn, at the end of last season when when Arsenal fans were like they were really disappointed at not getting top four, and I think it was mainly to do with the that Tottenham had pipped us to it. Yeah. But I always said to them, now I said, look, we we are far better equipped of winning the Europa League, yeah, than we were than we are winning the Champions League. Yeah. You know, we've, we've got a much better chance because of what you've just said about that two-year process. You know, I think yeah. that in, you know, maybe hopefully it's a bit less than that, but yeah. the team is getting better and it's getting more and more experience. Well, I think they had a, they suffered defensively for some time, I think. They, they, were, they, they were easy to play against, whereas back in the day, in your day, they were, they were the total opposite um, and, and the George and, and under Arsene, really, mm. although it was a different style under Arsene, but yeah, I think they've put that right. They've, they've, they've invested in better defending and defenders, which has given them a platform to go now. And they've got some wonderful young players. They really have. And yeah. I think, uh, I think that, yeah, you'll, you'll want it to be 18 months. I'm saying two years, hopefully 10 years. Um, <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, um, it's always going to be there. Uh, yeah. uh, it's interesting to see how long Conte stays at Tottenham. That's, yeah. that's the slight problem every Spurs fan is is a little bit worried about but I think Spurs fans are getting a little bit they're getting a little bit frustrated in the way that we're playing it's a great thing as a professional to not be playing that well and keep winning and drawing the way from home getting good results apart from the other night is not a bad thing but I think as fans you want you know particularly Tottenham fans it's a tradition of way they play at Tottenham I think He's got to keep winning. He's got to keep getting the points on the ball and stay up there for the for the for the supporters to to embrace him still. And, and that's a big test, you know. But I, I think he's capable of doing it because he's such a good manager. Yeah, I, I feel they're they're getting closer and closer every season. I feel you know. But yeah, you, you mentioned earlier about about Arson, and I want to ask you how how did you know about Arsene Wenger? Because when he signed for Arsenal, there was only you and David Dean knew about him. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, David, David obviously plagued me. He because he, he was I was England manager at the time, and I'd worked obviously under under Arsene at Monaco, 
Right. And it was on David's head. He was the only one. It it all it gone to the board. He tells the story. It's gone to the board, and he's mentioned this Arsene Wenger, and and everyone in the board back in the day then was like, who, yeah. who is Arsene Wenger? It no, wasn't just the board. It was the players as well. <laughs> players as well, exactly. So he kept he pestered me all the, every time he saw me. He phoned me two or three occasions, and in the end, you know, Spurs fans won't like me for saying it, but in the end, I said. Go and get him. He'll be. He'll be. He'll be. He's brilliant. Go and get him. Yeah. He'll be successful wherever he goes. I think he was in Japan at the time. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, as well. So it was a big call, wasn't it? When you think about it, it, it was a big call for the board to take him. And yeah. you know what? I didn't find out until after I left Monaco. He went to Monaco. The year he went is the same year I went. So he went as, and he bought me the first year. But I didn't realise the year before he got relegated. So oh. the, president of, the president of Monaco must have seen something, or they must have seen something tremendous in him to actually take him. I didn't know that at the time. And now it, it was in a similar scenario where, you know, no one was a bit unsure about him at the club. But David, had, yeah, David, why? Wow, because it was on his head, really. It was on mm -hmm. David's head. Really, whether if he were if he hadn't worked out successful, David, I think would have been been for the he the one he's the one that was going to get. So <laughs> yeah, he was, uh, and I said, look, go and get him because it yeah. it be successful wherever he goes, and, and obviously he has been. He was fantastic, and what a great man as well. He's a, he's a lovely yeah, man. Exactly, man. not not many people know that you know that he's, yeah. he's a gentleman. You know, he's a proper yeah, guy. Yeah, he really is, and um, and and uh, I, I, you know, when you just. I don't know, David. It's in life. It's you click with people, and I, I sat down with him. I was going to Paris Saint Germain with Gerard Houllier. The clubs couldn't agree the fee. I'd looked at schools for my children, where I was going to live, everything. But Paris, they just couldn't do the deal. Sat down with Arsenal when they came in late for me, and I just clicked with him. We just we started talking about not just football, other things, and. I don't know. I just felt mm, I want to play for this guy, yeah. and uh, the rest is history. But no, he's a, he's a, he's a wonderful guy, and, and um, you can talk about anything with him. Actually, not just football. Um, yeah, great yeah. guy. And it's good to see. Uh, it's good. I saw him. You know, he did something for my film for BT, and uh, he went. I went to his house, and we filmed. It was great, reminiscing and going back, and and uh, he's such an intelligent guy. Oh, it's, uh, yeah, it's a pleasure to be in his company. Yeah. Brilliant, mate. We've kept you for quite a long time now, so uh, <laughs> keep going. It's brilliant. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Get that cotton wool in there. <laughs> talking if you want. <laughs> brilliant, Glenn. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on, mate. Brilliant. So Enjoy much. it. Really good fun. Brilliant. Nice Thank you, Glenn. Cheers, Glenn. Don't forget, you can watch all our interviews with other England legends like Gazza, Gary Lineker and John Barnes over on our YouTube channel. Just search Seaman Says. We'll be back next week, so I'll see you then. This is a Listening Dog Media Production. Sports Social Podcast Network.